I'm Maddie Moat and welcome to the third episode of Discover the Wall from English Heritage. I've come to another Roman fort along Hadrian's Wall. This one's called Halsteads. And uh, initially, uh, what strikes me is the amount of sheep that are here. <laughs> there are sheep absolutely everywhere. Um, but uh, the real reason I'm here is to meet historian Andrew, who's going to tell me a little bit more about the life of a soldier on the wall. Coming up. It's a massive community. The kind of force that you're going to want if there is any emergencies here. And they're all under the control of, of one man. Andrew from English Heritage is telling me all about the different types of soldier who lived along Hadrian's Wall. You've got a lot of ordinary soldiers, so they're the ones that do all the, the hard work, all the fighting, all of the collecting of resources, all of the patrolling. The building as well? The building, of course, mm -hmm. yes. Although by the time that the forts, when the, when, once the forts are finished, uh, the, the soldiers, the legionaries that built the wall have probably gone back home. <laughs> uh, to their bases in the rest of Britain. And we have soldiers known as auxiliaries who are then tasks, tasked with actually um, manning the wall. And they come up here to live in places like housesteads. So the auxiliaries, they're, they're the guards? Yeah, they're the guards, basically. So along the wall, you've not just got forts, you've also got turrets and mile castles. Would it be auxiliaries who would hang around there, keeping watch? Yeah, that's basically what they do. They, they do all the day-to-day, -day, uh, probably some quite boring jobs and then if there's something exciting happens i.e there's a raid or some kind of emergency they're the ones that are going to have to deal with that so we're at housesteads right now how many auxiliaries or how many soldiers would be living here well something in the region of about 800 Ooh. yeah it's a lot it's a massive community and there's a lot of um uh, well there's a that, that's a the, the kind of force that you're going to want if there is any emergencies here Absolutely. And, and they're all under the control of of one man who is the commanding officer so there is one commanding officer to yeah. 800 yes. soldiers. Soldiers and auxiliaries or... Sol soldiers org that are called, we call auxiliaries. So the Roman army has legionaries and it has auxiliaries. So that's a large force for one man to yeah. be a commander of. I mean, he does have help. He has uh, sort of sub-officers. Each uh, unit has a centurion who's sort of like a, a sergeant. Um, who kind of um, makes sure all the, off the, the commanding officer's orders are actually executed and done properly. I imagine life for a commanding officer would have been very different to that of, a, of, a, of an auxiliary. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're a kind of a, an imperial elite. Oh. So they're some of the most wealthy people uh, in the Roman Empire. They're almost like modern-day millionaires compared to sort of the lowly soldier who, who um, might live their entire life in a place like this, whereas uh, the commanding officer would be posted from... Uh, position to position and they might travel across the empire um, and prom getting promoted through the uh, through the army or in, in, in to go into business as a, as a civilian. So the Roman army really wasn't equal and Andrew's showing me some of the clues that give us an insight into how they lived. So here at Halsteads, what can we see, what can we explore that will tell us more about the, the difference in the life of a commanding officer and, and a soldier? Well, Halsteads is probably the most spectacularly well-preserved fort on Hadrian's Wall. It really is. We, we, we've just reached it now. And um, it... It looks pristine, some of, some, of this, <laughs> some of this stonework. Yeah, some of the stone really stands very highly and a lot of the buildings are very well preserved. So we can really imagine what it would have been like to be here. And uh, we're going to go and see two um, um, buildings in particular. Uh, first, we're going to go and have a look at the barracks, which is where your everyday soldier would have lived. And then we're going to go and look at the, uh, the grandest building in the fort, which is the commanding officer's house. It really is an amazing sight. 
It's like I'm walking in the footsteps of people who lived up to 1,900 years ago. Just gone uphill a little bit further. And, uh, Andrew, what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at a street at the moment. A street? A street, yeah. <laughs> a street between two uh, long, narrow buildings. Uh, these are barracks. Uh, and what, what were the barracks for? What were the barracks for? Well, most of the fort is taken up with barracks, and this is where the soldiers live. Mm-hmm. So we've got some 800 soldiers living at, at househeads. They're split into units of about 80, called centuries, and each century lives in one barrack block. Uh, so if, I know that there's a street going through here, but that still seems to squished into quite a small space. They're pretty squished. <laughs> so each of the barrack blocks has uh, 10 compartments, what we call contabernia. And each of the contabernia has eight soldiers living in it. Whoa, what would they have slept on? Well, they would have slept on uh, probably sort of uh, palliaces, so kind of like mattresses sort of stuffed with straw. Just on the floor? Yeah, possibly on the, st- on the floor. Some people think they might have had beds, maybe bunk beds, although there's no actual evidence for that. <laughs> and of course, your bed was not your own because there wasn't enough room for eight beds, I would imagine. So you're probably going to have to share. And when you're not off duty, when you're on duty, someone else sleeps in your bed. And then when you go back, come off duty, then you're probably going to sleep So you've had a long bed. day on the wall, yep. building it or guarding it. Yep. And then you come back and you've got to share your bed with a smelly soldier. Well, yes, but at least it'd be warm. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It would be good for heat, actually, wouldn't it? Um, so you wouldn't have had much personal space no absolutely not i mean you'd be basically be living in the pocket of your fellow messmate so you'd, you'd get to know everything about them pretty quickly and you can imagine in these confined spaces that there would be fights and arguments and probably good times and um, bad times and and you'd share all of that with your your closest comrades fair few kerfuffles i'm, not, I'm, I'm imagine, sure yeah. Would they have had many personal belongings? Yes, they would have. I mean, the the soldiers weren't wealthy in comparison to the commanding officer, but compared to the general population, the soldiers were um, were quite well paid. So their equipment would have been uh, quite expensive. They would have personalised it, and uh, they would have had you know sort of basics that you need to live. So things to cook with, things to to eat from, etc., etc. And where would all that have been kept? Just next to the the beds on the floor? Well, yeah, the the, the barracks. It's difficult to tell now because mm. a lot of the, the standing stones have gone. But the barracks, each each contabernia, each compartment, is split into two. And at the front, you have room for the equipment and your your weapons. And in the back, then you have the sleeping quarters. So would they have cooked within these contabernia as well? Yes, possibly. And and there was there's some evidence for hearths being here. But there's actually down at the very end. If you look towards the very far end of the barracks, then there's actually a little bakehouse where they would have done probably the majority of their cooking. With so many soldiers living in such a small space, there's one question I need to ask. And yeah, you're probably thinking it too. Where would they have gone to the toilet? Dare I ask? <laughs> well, we're very lucky at Housesteads because we can uh, we can answer that question because we have well, the best preserved Roman toilet anywhere in <laughs> Britain. So can we go take a look at it? Should we go and have a look? Yeah. I was expecting the toilet to just look like a hole in the floor, but this is actually quite elaborate. Absolutely. (laughs) This is a big loo. You need to get all the soldiers in there at the same time. So you would have had multiple soldiers lining up and all doing their business at once? 
yeah, about maybe about 15 or 20 of them all sitting next to each other. There's absolutely no privacy. You're you're literally sitting right next to your your messmate and doing your <laughs> business, maybe having a gossip. So actually what we're looking at now is the ruins of what would have been a stone building and um, there's a, a wash basin, a stone wash basin in mm-hmm. the middle, which is actually full of water now, yep. rainwater, I imagine. Um, there would have been a roof on it, though. Yes, there would have been a roof on it, though. <laughs> it would be getting rained on. <laughs> Not whilst you're doing your business. And then all around it, you've got a ditch, and I'm guessing that's... That's the sewer system. That's where the waste would have been. And and originally, of course, there would have been a a wooden, sort of a a long wooden toilet seat with holes cut into it uh, to allow you a bit of comfort. Life for those living on the wall was very different, depending on how senior you were in the army. The soldiers in the barracks slept close together and they went to the toilet close together too. They didn't really have much personal space at all. That was very different to the commanding officer who had lots of space. And Andrew's showing me where he lived. We're now looking over the house. The foundations of the commanding officer's house alone look bigger than the barracks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this where we're where we're standing at the moment is the the atrium. It's the entrance hall, and this space is bigger, or at least as big, as one of the barrack blocks for eight men. And this is just his hall. <laughs> so the hallway is bigger. Then a barrack which should hold eight men. Whoa. And how many people would have lived in the commanding officer's house? Well, it depends on how big his family is, of course. Oh. Presumably he's here with his wife. Um, maybe they have a couple of children. Um, maybe there are other assorted um, uh, members of the household who, who would accompany him. And then, of course, there are probably slaves. And that might depend on how wealthy he is and how many slaves that he needs in order to run his household. So we know what the soldiers would have got up to on a day-to-day basis, whether that was building or keeping watch, multiple jobs. Um, What would a commanding officer have done? Well, it's difficult, but we can imagine that he would have taken a lot of meetings. He would have been meeting um, with... The centurions? uh, With the centurions. Potentially. I don't think the centurions are always going to be talking to the commanding officer, but they they would have probably had meetings with him. He would have had... There's a massive divide, even even between the commanding officer and the centurions. Definitely. He would have had um, other officers who would have helped him out and would have been in constant contact with him. Um, He possibly would have taken meetings with important members of the local community because he's not only in charge of the soldiers, but he's also in charge of the people living in the Vicus. When Andrew talks about the Vicus, he means the small towns that would have surrounded the forts along Hadrian's Wall. It's where locals would have met to socialise and swap goods and services, and we'll find out more about these towns later on in the series. Would he have ever gone out into the Vicus to visit visit the pubs or the markets? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, maybe. Who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe he would have snuck out. Of All his slaves have gone and fetched his, yeah. fetched his artisan bread for oh, him. I'm, I'm sure, yes. I, I, doubt, I doubt he would have needed to because he, he probably would have been would have been able to hold quite um, uh, lavish banquets within his his, uh, his his own home and and indeed had rooms set up for that very thing. So it it seems as if this house would have been on multiple floors, we've got a grand hallway, maybe a banquet hall. What other spaces would have been within the commander's home? Well, these kind of houses are built to a standard plan, and it's the kind of house that you'd see not just in forts, but in towns across the empire. They're built around a large 
um, central courtyard, which is designed in order to keep the residents out of the Mediterranean sun, albeit that's not always a problem on Hadrian's Wall. No. <laughs> and then around that you have these ranges of, of rooms which all have different functions. Um, so you, from uh, dedicated kitchen space, you would have also had uh, not a dining hall but a dining room, or, or which would have been heated of course, and then you would have had uh, bedrooms for the, the members of the household, probably uh, guest med- uh, bedrooms, a study for the uh, for the commanding officer. This is, a f- this is a mansion. I know, it even I, has its own stables. I cannot believe that you had homes of this grandeur that were built in these remote places along the wall. Mm. The wall is offering me so much more than I first expected. I honestly just thought it was a big barrier, a big long barrier, but not at all. This was this was people's homes. People's homes. And th- this is a place where they would have entertained as well because there's not only a grand house here, but there's a grand house in Bird Oswald Fort. There's a grand house at Chester's Fort. And the... The commanding officer would they have and the family would have other? communicated with each other. Yeah, so they probably would have invited, invited each other over for dinner. Ah, well, actually, there's a, there's a museum here at Halstead, and I'm going to go meet Francis now, who I think has got some artefacts that tell us a little more about the life of the commanding officer's wife. Just walking in out of the cold, going into the museum here at Halsteads to meet Francis. Hi there. Hello. Um, we've got some things to see in here, haven't we? Yeah, I'm going to show you some things in the commanding officer's house, some of the luxury goods that him and his family brought with them. The commanding officers moved to Hadrian's Wall from across the Roman Empire. Because they were so senior in the army, they lived in luxury homes in the middle of the forts. You can see here we've got beautiful glass vessels, this little one at the bottom is probably for perfume and um, this one up here, this clear glass cup is for drinking from. So the artefacts we're looking at inside this glass cabinet are painting a very different picture of what life would have been like for a commanding officer. This is this is luxury. This is luxury, you know, jet beads for his wife's. Um, What's a jet bead? So jet is um, a material similar to coal. It's made, made from fossilised organic materials squished together. It's a dark and, black and it's stone. Then carved into beads. It was very popular for uh, jewellery in the Roman period. So we've got glass bottles, perfume, you say. Are these things that would have been bought with them from their homes yeah. abroad? Um, the glass might have been brought with them. It wasn't made here, it was always imported in, whereas the jet was. Um, mostly worked in Whitby in North Yorkshire um, and was very popular in Roman Britain. What else do we have here? We've got two beautiful hairpins. So they're made from bone and then they've got carved decorated tops. So, you know, nowadays we've got clips and we've got bobbles, we've got a bit of hairspray. But if we wanted our hairstyles to stay up in the Roman period, it was pins and animal fat. Pins and animal fat? Yeah. Wow, okay, that's not quite a bobby grip and hairspray, is it? No, a bit different, but if you <laughs> wanted a fancy hairstyle, as many of the rich women did, you would have um, used those hairpins. And the decorated heads were the bits that stuck out. So they added decoration. Like we have decorated clips or headbands It's today. funny to think, you know, as you know, as I'm walking along the wall, I'm just wearing my raincoat, my hair looks a complete mess. To think that the officer's wife would have been up here doing her hair and making it look fancy, I, I, can't, I can hardly see the point. <laughs> well, you know, she's got her husband to impress, but also any other officer's wives who are visiting the fort or in the neighbouring forts. We know that um, they did correspond and... There's not very many women of their class in this area, so if you're going to see each other, you probably want to make a good impression. So we know where the soldiers lived. We know where they went to the toilet. We know about the huge homes for commanding officers and the luxury goods that they bought here from the rest of the Roman Empire. 
But there's one thing left for me to discover as I find out more about the life of a Roman soldier, and that's what they wore. I'm with John. John, you're a reenactor, and I can tell because you are wearing quite the get-up right now. And um, firstly, before we get into details as to your costume, I feel maybe costume uniform. it might be offensive. <laughs> uniform, uniform. And um, tell me about what you're wearing. You look fantastic. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the uniform of a legionary of the first century AD, a Roman legionary, uh, based in Britain at that time. And what was a legionary? A legionary was a Roman citizen soldier of the Roman Empire, as opposed to an auxiliary who was a non-citizen soldier. Do you have anything that I could try on? It's funny you should say that, because as it happens, I have a full set of auxiliary equipment here. <laughs> it's time to get dressed up. What's my first layer? The first layer is the tunic. It's a, a woollen tunic, so it might itch a bit, um, but it, 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 it'll keep you warm. And nothing would go under this? You could possibly wear a cotton under tunic, a linen, linen some, rather, some under undergarments. tunic. An undergarment, yes. <laughs> Do the Roman soldiers have underwear? The, the Roman soldiers did, uh, <laughs> but it would sort of be a more like a nappy. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, I'm not putting a nappy on, no. but I am going to put on this woollen tunic. Tunic on. Uh, tunic on, then we put a little belt round it to keep the tunic above your knees, because otherwise that would mean you were a slave. <gasps> Below the knees means a slave. One of the punishments for the Roman army, if you were really upset a centurion, would be to be punished by having to take the belt off and wear your tunic below the knees. Would that almost be seen as, as, as an embarrassment would, in a way? That would be an embarrassment. <laughs> Next we have the, the male armour, and this, this is about 10 kilos. So this looks like a large T-shirt that is made out of lots of little metal links. It looks so heavy. How am I going to get into this? This goes over your head, again like a T-shirt, but just a really heavy one. Would the soldiers have had help or would they have had to have got into their own... Oh, my word. Would the soldiers have had help or would they have had to get into their own clothes? Once you've uh, practised this, it is a lot easier and you can put <laughs> a set of mail on yourself. Last but not least, I've got a helmet Last to put on. Last but not least, we have a, a helmet. So this is a metal helmet. With a, with a leather lining. It's got metal flaps at the side, so it's completely encasing my face. And it comes all the way down to the top of my eyeballs. So really, it's just my face that's popping through, isn't it? it it's a brass helmet. Well, this is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and then all you need is a shield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the next episode of Discover the Wall, I find out about people from afar. We had soldiers who were originally from places far flung as Spain, as from North Africa, Romania, Syria as well. And if you want to discover Hadrian's Wall for yourself, search English Heritage online and find out more about Halstead's Roman Fort, where you can wonder the most completely visible example of a Roman fort anywhere in Britain.